18. Eisen soldier by skirmishes and surprises, who makes the war support itself by plunder, by extorting blackmail, by capturing prisoners and holding them to a ransom, who enforces his demands by violence, and kills the prisoners who cannot pay. In certain conditions the brigand has not been a mere malefactor. It is you who are the thieves, Iladroni, Cite Voy, was the defense of the Calabrian who was tried as a brigand by a French court-martial during the reign of Murat in Naples. Brigandage maybe, and not infrequently has been, the last resource of a people subject to invasion. The Calabrians who fought for Ferdinand of Naples, and the Spanish irregular levies, which maintained the national resistance against the French from 1808 to 1814, were called brigands by their enemies, in the Balkan Peninsula. Under Turkish rule, the brigands called Cleefs by the Greeks and Hedicks or Hedicsi by the Slavs had some claim to believe themselves the representatives of their people against oppressors. The only approach to an attempt to maintain order was the permission given to part of the population to carry arms in order to repress the Cleefs. They were hence called, Armatoli. As a matter of fact the Armatol were rather the allies than the enemies of the Cleefs. The invader who reduces a nation to anarchy, and then suffers from the disorder he creates always calls his opponents brigands, it is a natural consequence of such a war, but a very disastrous one, for the people who have to have recourse to these methods of defense, that the brigand acquires some measure of honorable prestige from his temporary association with patriotism and honest men, the patriot band attracts the brigand proper, who is not averse to continue his old courses under an honorable pretext, Viva Fernando y vamos robando, long life to Ferdinand, and let us go robbing has been said by not unfair critics to have been the maxim of many Spanish guerrilleros. Italy and Spain suffered for a long time from the disorder developed out of the popular resistance to the French. Numbers of the guerrilleros of both countries, who in normal conditions might have been honest, had acquired a preference for living on the country, and for occasional booty, which they could not resign when the enemy had retired. Their countrymen had to work for a second deliverance from their late defenders. In the East the brigand has had a freer scope, and has even founded kingdoms. David's following in the cave of Adolan was such material as brigands are made of, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Major Shah of Persia began in just such a cave of Adolan, and lived to plunder Delhi with a host of Persians and Afghans. The conditions which favor the development of brigandage may be easily summed up. They are first bad administration, and then, in a less degree, the possession of convenient hiding places. A country of mountain and forest is favorable to the brigand. The highlands of Scotland supplied a safe refuge to the gentlemen refers, who carried off the cattle of the Sassanach landlords. The Apennines, the mountains of Calabria, the Sierras of Spain were the homes of the Italian, banditos, and the Spanish, bandoleros, banished men and, saltadores, raiders. The forests of England gave cover to the outlaws whose very much flattered portrait is to be found in the ballads of Robin Hood, the, Maki, i.e. the bush of Corsica, and its hills, had helped the Corsican brigand, as the bush of Australia covered the bush ranger, but neither forest thicket nor mountain is a lasting protection against a good police, used with intelligence by the government and supported by the law-abiding part of the community. The great haunts of brigands in Europe have been central and southern Italy and the worst administered parts of Spain, except those which fell into the hands of the Turks. Whenever numerous troops of banditti, multiplied by success and impunity, publicly defied, instead of eluding, the justice of their country, 
we may safely infer that the excessive weakness of the government is felt and abused by the lowest ranks of the community. Is the judgment passed by Gibbon on the disorders of Sicily in the reign of the Emperor Valianus? This weakness has not always been a sign of real feebleness in the government. England was vigorously ruled in the reign of William III, when a fraternity of plunderers, thirty in number according to the lowest estimate, squatted near Waltham Cross under the shades of Epping Forest, and built themselves huts, from which they sallied forth with sword and pistol to bid passengers stand. It was not because the state was weak that the gubbings so called in contempt from the trimmings and refuse of fish infested Devonshire for a generation from their headquarters near Brentor, on the edge of Dartmoor. It was because England had not provided herself with a competent rural police. In relatively unsettled parts of the United States there has been a considerable amount of a certain kind of brigandage. In early days the travel routes to the far west were infested by highwaymen, who, however, seldom united into bands and such outlaws, when captured, were often dealt with in an extra-legal manner, e.g. by vigilance committees. The Mexican brigand Cortina made incursions into Texas before the Civil War. In Canada the mounted police have kept brigandage down, and in Mexico the rurals have made an end of the brigands. Such curable evils as the highwaymen of England, and their like in the States, are not to be compared with the acorcheros, or skinners, of France in the 15th century or the chauffeurs of the revolutionary epoch. The first were large bands of discharged mercenary soldiers who pillaged the country. The second were ruffians who forced their victims to pay ransom by holding their feet in fires. Both flourished because the government was for the time disorganized by foreign invasion or by revolution. These were far more terrible evils than the license of criminals, who are encouraged by a fair prospect of impunity because there is no permanent force always at hand to check them and to bring them promptly to justice. At the same time it would be going much too far to say that the absence of an efficient police is the sole cause of brigandage in countries not subject to foreign invasion, or where V.04P.0564 the state is not very feeble. The Sicilian peasants of whom Gibbon wrote were not only encouraged by the hope of impunity, but were also maddened by an oppressive system of taxation and a cruel system of land tenure. So were the Gauls and Spaniards who throughout the 3rd and 4th centuries were a constant cause of trouble to the empire, under the name of Begotti, a word of uncertain origin. In the years preceding the French Revolution, the royal government commanded the services of a strong army, and a numerous Mary Chaussée or Gendarmerie, yet it was defied by the troops of smugglers and brigands known as Fossilniers, and authorized salt cellars, and bangs of poachers haunted the king's preserves round Paris. The salt monopoly and the excessive preservation of the game were so oppressive that the peasantry were provoked to violent resistance and to brigandage. They were constantly suppressed, but as the cause of the disorder survived, so its effects were continually renewed. The offenders enjoyed a large measure of public sympathy, and were warned or concealed by the population, even when they were not actively supported. The traditional outlaw who spared the poor and levied tribute on the rich was, no doubt, always a creature of fiction. The ballad which tells us how rich, wealthy misers were and hoard, by brave, free heart bliss, a rascal hanged for highway robbery at Salisbury in 1695 must have been a mere echo of the Robin Hood songs, but there have been times and countries in which the law and its administration have been so far regarded as enemies by people who were not themselves criminals, that all who defied them have been sure of a measure of sympathy, then and there it was that brigandage has flourished and has been difficult to extirpate. Skinner Hands, Jack the Skinner, whose real name was Johann Buckler, 
and who was born at Mucklin on the Rhine, flourished from 1797 to 1802 because there was no proper police to stop him. It is also true that as he chiefly plundered the Jews he had a good deal of Christian sympathy. When caught and beheaded he had no successors. The brigandage of Greece, southern Italy, Corsica and Spain had deeper roots, and has never been quite suppressed. All four countries are well provided with hiding places in forest and mountain. In all the administration has been bad. The law and its officers have been regarded as dangerous, if not as deliberate enemies, so that they have found little native help. And, what is not the least important cause of the persistence of brigandage, there have generally been local potentates who found it to their interest to protect the brigand. The case of Greece under Turkish rule need not be dealt with. Whoever was not a cleft was the victim of some official extortioner. It would be grossly unfair to apply the name brigand to the Maynotes and similar clans, who had to choose between being flayed by the Turks or living by the sword under their own law. When it became independent Greece was extremely ill-administered under a nominal parliamentary government by politicians who made use of the brigands for their own purposes. The result was the state of things described with only pardonable exaggeration in Edmund about some using Roy de la Montigny. An authentic and most interesting picture of the Greek brigands will be found in the story of the captivity of S. Soteropoulos, an ex-minister who fell into their hands. It was translated into English under the title of the Brigands of the Moria, by the Ref. J. O. Bagdad, London, 1868. The misfortunes of Soteropoulos led to the adoption of strong measures which cleared the Moria, where the peasantry gave active support to the troops when they saw that the government was in earnest. But brigandage was not yet extinct in Greece. In 1870 an English party, consisting of Lord and Lady Muncaster, Mr. Viner, Mr. Lloyd, Mr. Herbert, and Count de Boyle, was captured at Oropos, near Marathon, and a ransom of L25.000 was demanded. Lord and Lady Muncaster were set at liberty to seek for the ransom, but the Greek government sent troops in pursuit of the brigands, and the other prisoners were then murdered. The scoundrels were hunted down, caught, and executed, and Greece has since then been tolerably free from this reproach. In the Balkan Peninsula, under Turkish rule, brigandage continued to exist in connection with Christian revolt against the Turk, and the race conflicts of Albanians, Wallachians, Ponics, Bulgarians and Greeks. In Corsica the Maki has never been without its brigand hero, because industry has been stagnant, family feuds persist and the government has never quite succeeded in persuading the people to support the law. The brigand is always a hero to at least one faction of Corsicans. The conditions which favor brigandage have been more prevalent, and far longer, in Italy than elsewhere in Western Europe, with the standing exception of Corsica, which is Italian in all but political allegiance. Until the middle of the 19th century Italy was divided into small states, so that the brigand who was closely pursued in one could flee to another. Thus it was that Marco Ciro of the Abruzzi, when hard-pressed by the Spanish Viceroy of Naples just before and after 1600 could cross the border of the Papal States and return on a favorable opportunity. When Pope and Viceroy combined against him he took service with Venice, from whence he could communicate with his friends at home, and pay them occasional visits. On one such visit he was led into a trap and slain. Marco Ciro had terrorized the country far and wide at the head of 600 men. He was the follower and imitator of Benedetto Mangon, of whom it is recorded that, having stopped a party of travelers which included Torquato Tasso, he allowed them to pass unharmed out of his reverence for poets and poetry. Mangon was finally taken, and beaten to death with hammers at Naples, 
He and his like are the heroes of much popular verse, written in Otavarima, and beginning with the traditional epic invocation to the muse. A fine example is, the most beautiful history of the life and death of Pietro Mancino, chief of banditti, which has remained popular with the people of southern Italy. It begins, Io canto li riccati, e il fiero ardier del gran Pietro Mancino florisito, Pietro Mancino that great outlawed man I sing, and all his rage. In Naples the number of competing codes and jurisdictions, the survival of the feudal power of the nobles, who sheltered banditti, just as a highland chief gave refuge to caterans in Scotland, and the helplessness of the peasantry, made brigandage chronic, and the same conditions obtained in Sicily. The Bourbon dynasty reduced brigandage very much, and secured order on the main high roads, but it was not extinguished, and it revived during the French invasion. This was the flourishing time of the notorious Fra Diavolo, who began as brigand and blossomed into a patriot. Fra Diavolo was captured and executed by the French, when Ferdinand was restored on the fall of Napoleon the employed an English officer, General Sir Richard Church, to suppress the brigands, General Church who kept good order among his soldiers, and who made them pay for everything, gained the confidence of the peasantry, and restored a fair measure of security. It was he who finally brought to justice the villainous Don Cyril and a Kiriko priest and brigand who declared at his trial with offhand indifference that he supposed he had murdered about seventy people first and last, when a brother priest was sent to give him the consolations of religion. Cyril cut him short, saying, Stop that chatter, we are two of a trade, we need not play the fool to one another, lasciate questapiacir, siamo dell'istessa profissione, non siberiamo fra noi. Every successive revolutionary disturbance in Naples saw a recrudescence of brigandage down to the unification of 1860-1861, and then it was years before the Italian government rooted it out. The source of the trouble was the support the brigands received from various kinds of manutengoli, maintainers great men, corrupt officials, political parties and the peasants who were terrorized, or who profited by selling the brigands food and clothes. In Sicily brigandage has been endemic. In 1866 two English travelers, Mr. E. J. C. Menz and the Ref. J. C. Murray Ainsley, were captured and held to a ransom. Mr. Menz found that the Manutengoli of the brigands among the peasants charged famine prices for food, and extortionate prices for clothes and cartridges. What is true of Naples and Sicily is true of other parts of Italy Mutatis B.04P.0565 Mutandis. In Tuscany, Piedmont and Lombardy the open country has been orderly, but the borders infested with brigands. The worst district outside Calabria has been the Papal States. The Austrian general, Fremont, did, however, partly clear the Romagna about 1820, though at a heavy cost of life to his soldiers mostly Bohemian Jaegers from the malaria. The history of brigandage in Spain is very similar. It may be said to have been endemic in and south of the Sierra Morna. In the north it has flourished when government was weak, and after foreign invasion and civil wars. But it has always been put down easily by a capable administration. It reached its greatest heights in Catalonia, where it began in the strife of the peasants against the feudal exactions of the landlords. It had its traditional hero, wrote Guinart, who figures in the second part of Don Quixote the revolt against the House of Austria in 1640, and the War of the Succession 1700-1714, gave a great stimulus to Catalan brigandage, but it was then put down in a way for which Italy offers no precedent. A country gentleman named Pedro Viciana, hereditary bailio military and civil lieutenant of the Archbishop of Tarragona in the town of Gauls, 
armed his farm servants, and resisted the attacks of the brigands. With the help of neighboring country gentlemen he formed a strong band, known as the Mozos Boys of the Siena. The brigands combined to get rid of him by making an attack on the town of Gauls, but were repulsed with great loss. The government of Philip V then commissioned the Siena to raise a special corps of police, the Esquadra de Catluna, which still exists. For five generations the colonel of the Esquadra was always of the Siena. At all times in central and northern Spain the country population has supported the police when the government would act firmly. Since the organization of the excellent constabulary called La Guardia Civil by the Duke of Ahumada, about 1844, brigandage has been well kept down. At the close of the Carlist War in 1874 a few bands infested Catalonia, but one of the worst was surprised, and all its members battered to death with boxwood cudgels by a gang of charcoal burners on the ruins of the castle of San Martin de Centellas. In such conditions as these brigandage cannot last, more sympathy is felt for bandoleros in the south, and there also they find Spanish equivalents for the Manutangoli of Italy. The tobacco smuggling from Gibraltar keeps alive a lawless class which sinks easily into pure brigandage. Perhaps the influence of the Berber blood in the population helps to prolong this barbarism. The Sierra Morna, and the Serenia Duranda, have produced the bandits whose achievements form the subject of popular ballads, such as Francisco Esteban El Guapo Francis Stephen, the Bocor Dandy, Don Juan de Saralanga, Pedranza, and C. The name of Jose Maria has been made familiar to all the world by Marini's story, Carmen, and by Bizet's opera. Jose Maria, called El Tempranillo the early bird, was a historical personage, a liberal in the rising against Ferdinand V.I.I., 1820-1823, then a smuggler, then a bandolero. He was finally bought off by the government, and took a commission to suppress the other brigands. Jose Maria was at last shot by one of them whom he was endeavoring to arrest. The civil guard prevents brigandage from reaching any great height in normal times, but in 1905 a bandit of the old stamp, popularly known as El Vivilo, the vital spark, haunted the Serenia Duranda. The brigand life has been made the subject of much romance, but when stripped of fiction it appears that the bands have been mostly recruited by men who have been guilty of homicide, out of jealousy or in a gambling quarrel, and who remained in them not from love of the life but from fear of the gallows, a reformed brigand, known as Paso de Lupa Wolfstep, confessed to Mr. McFarlane about 1820 that the weaker members of the band were terrorized and robbed by the bullies, and that murderous conflicts were constant among them. The decoits, or brigands of India were of the same stamp as their European colleagues. The Pindaris were more than brigands, and the thugs were a religious sect. Authorities, the literature of brigandage, apart from pure romances, or official reports of trials, is naturally extensive. Mr. McFarlane's Lives and Exploits of Bandity and Robbers London, 1837 is a full introduction to the subject. The author saw a part of what he wrote about, and gives many references, particularly for Italy. A good bibliography of Spanish brigandage will be found in the Risena Historica de la Guardia Civil of Eugenio de la Iglesia Madrid, 1898, for actual pictures of the life. Nothing is better than the English Travellers and Italian Brigands of W.J. Siemens London, 1866, and the Brigands of the Moria, by S. Sotoropoulos, translated by the Ref. J. O. Bagdon London, 1868, D.H.P.R.I.J.A.N.D.I.N.E., a French word meaning the armor for the brigandy or brigands, light-armed foot soldiers, part of the armor of a foot soldier in the Middle Ages, consisting of a padded tunic of canvas 
leather, and sea, and lined with closely sewn scales or rings of iron. B-R-I-G-A-N-D-A is Celtic for mountaineers, or free, privileged, a people of northern Britain, who inhabited the country from the mouth of the Abu's Humber on the east and the Bilisame of Mersey, according to others, rib on the west as far northwards as the wall of Antoninus. Their territory thus included most of Yorkshire, the whole of Lancashire, Durham, Westmoreland, Cumberland and part of Northumberland. Their chief town was Eberacum or Adriacum, York. They first came into contact with the Romans during the reign of Claudius, when they were defeated by Publius Astori Scapula. Under Vespasian they submitted to Petilis Cerealis, but were not finally subdued till the time of Antoninus Pius Tac. Agricola, 17, Poisson, V.I. 43, 4. The name of their eponymous goddess Brigadia is found on inscriptions Corporation Inscription. Lat. V.I. 200, 875, 1062. F. Heverfield in Archaeological Journal, Zlix, 1892, and also that of a god Bergen's Brigands Ephemeris Epigraphica, V.I., Member 920, a branch of the Brigands also settled in the southeast corner of Ireland, near the river Burgos Barrow, C.A. Holder, Altkiltiskar Spruxkats, I. 1896, for ancient authorities, J.R.H.E.S., Celtic Britain Third Education 1904, Paulie Real Encyclopedia. I. Point I. 1897. B.R.I.G.G. Properly Glenford Briggs or Glanford Bridge. A market town in the North Lindsay or Breed Parliamentary Division of Lincolnshire, England. Situated on the River Ancolm, which affords water communication with the Humber. Pop. A urban district 1901-31-37. It is 23 meters by road north of Lincoln, and is served by the Grimsby Line of the Great Central Railway. Trade is principally agricultural. In 1885 a remarkable boat, assigned to early British workmanship, was unearthed near the river, it is hollowed out of the trunk of an oak, and measures 48 feet 6 inches by about 5 feet. Other prehistoric relics had also been discovered. Briggs, Charles Augustus 1841, American Hebrew scholar and theologian, was born in New York City on the 15th of January 1841. He was educated at the University of Virginia 1857-1860, graduated at the Union Theological Seminary in 1863, and studied further at the University of Berlin. He was pastor of the Presbyterian Church of Roselle, New Jersey, 1869-1874, and professor of Hebrew and Cognate Languages in Union Theological Seminary 1874-1891 and of biblical theology there from 1891 to 1904, when he became professor of theological encyclopedia and symbolics. From 1880 to 1890 he was an editor of the Presbyterian Review. In 1892 he was tried for heresy by the Presbytery of New York and acquitted. The charges were based upon his inaugural address of the preceding year. In brief they were as follows, that he had taught that reason and the church are each a fountain of divine authority which apart from holy scripture may and does savingly enlighten men, that errors may have existed in the original text of the holy scripture, that many of the Old Testament predictions have been reversed by history, and that the great body of messianic prediction has not and cannot be fulfilled, that Moses is not the author of the Pentateuch and that Isaiah is not the author of half of the book which bears his name, that the processes of redemption extend to the world to come, he had considered it a fault of Protestant theology that it limits redemption to this world and that sanctification is not complete at death. The General Assembly, to which the case was appealed, 
suspended Dr. Briggs B.04P.0566 in 1893, being influenced, it would seem, in part, by the manner and tone of his expressions by what his own colleagues in the Union Theological Seminary called the dogmatic and irritating nature of his inaugural address. He was ordained a priest of the Protestant Episcopal Church in 1899. His scholarship procured for him the honorary degree of D.D. from Edinburgh 1884 and from Glasgow 1901, and that of Lit.D. from Oxford 1901. With S.R. Driver and Francis Brown he prepared a revised Hebrew and English lexicon 1891-1905, and with Driver edited the International Commentary Series. His publications include Biblical Study, Its Principles, Methods and History 1883, Hebrew Poems of the Creation 1884, American Presbyterianism, Its Origin and Early History 1885, Messianic Prophecy 1886, Wither. A Theological Question for the Times 1889, The Authority of the Holy Scripture 1891, The Bible, The Church and the Reason 1892, The Higher Criticism of the Hexateuch 1893, The Messiah of the Gospels 1804, The Messiah of the Apostles 1894, New Light on the Life of Jesus 1904, The Ethical Teaching of Jesus 1904, A Critical and Exegetical Commentary on the Book of Psalms 2 Volumes. 1906-1907, in which he was assisted by his daughter, and the virgin birth of our Lord 1909, Briggs, Henry 1556-1630, English mathematician, was born at Warleywood, near Halifax, in Yorkshire, he graduated at Street John's College, Cambridge, in 1581, and obtained a fellowship in 1588. In 1592 he was made reader of the physical lecture founded by Dr. Thomas Linekla and in 1596 first professor of geometry in Gresham House afterwards College, London. In his lectures at Gresham House he proposed the alteration of the scale of logarithms from the hyperbolic form which John Napier had given them, to that in which unity is assumed as the logarithm of the ratio of 10 to 1, and soon afterwards he wrote to the inventor on the subject. In 1616 he paid a visit to Napier at Edinburgh in order to discuss the suggested change, and next year he repeated his visit for a similar purpose. During these conferences the alteration proposed by Briggs was agreed upon, and on his return from his second visit to Edinburgh in 1617 he accordingly published the first Kiliad of his logarithms. See an apiar. John. In 1619 he was appointed Savilian Professor of Geometry at Oxford and resigned his professorship of Gresham College on the 25th of July 1620. Soon after his settlement at Oxford he was incorporated Master of Arts. In 1622 he published a small tract on the Northwest Passage to the South Seas, through the continent of Virginia and Hudson's Bay, and in 1624 his Arithmetical Logarithmica, in folio, a work containing the logarithms of 30,000 natural numbers to 14 places of figures besides the index. He also completed a table of logarithmic signs and tangents for the hundredth part of every degree to fourteen places of figures besides the index, with a table of natural signs to fifteen places, and the tangents and secants for the same to ten places, all of which were printed at Gouda in 1631 and published in 1633 under the title of Tribonometria Britannica C Table. Mathematical. Briggs died on the 26th of January 1630, and was buried in Merton College Chapel. Oxford, Dr. Smith, in his Lives of the Gresham Professors, characterizes him as a man of great probity, a contemner of riches, and contended with his own station, 
preferring a studious retirement to all the splendid circumstances of life. His works are, a table to find the height of the pole, the magnetical declination being given London, 1602, 4-2, tables for the improvement of navigation, printed in the second edition of Edward Wright's treatise entitled Certain Errors in Navigation Detected and Corrected London, 1610, 4-2, a description of an instrumental table to find the part proportional, devised by Mr. Edward Wright London, 1616 and 1618, 12 mo, log Killius prima London, 1617, 8 vo, lucubrations and annotations in opera post humogene peri edinburgh, 1619, 4 Elementorum vi, Libri Priors London, 1620, Folio, a treatise on the Northwest Passage to the South Sea London, 1622, 4 reprinted in Purchases Pilgrims, Volume I, page 852, Arithmetical Logarithmica London, 1624, Folio, Trigonometria Britannica Goody, 1663, Folio, Two Letters to Archbishop Usher, Mathematica ab Antiquis Minus Cognita, Some Other Works, as his commentaries on the geometry of Peter Ramus, and remarks on the treatise of Longo Montanus respecting the quadrature of the circle, have not been published, B-R-I-G-H-O-U-S-E, a municipal borough in the Elan Parliamentary Division of the West Riding of Yorkshire, England. 51 2 meters and of Huddersfield by the Lancashire and Yorkshire Railway. On the River Calder. Pop. 1901 21.735. It is in the heart of the manufacturing district of the West Riding, and has large woolen and worsted factories, carpets, machinery and soap are also produced. The town was incorporated in 1893, and is governed by a mayor, 8 aldermen and 24 councillors. Area. 20 to 31 acres. Bright. Sir Charles T. I. Lestiel in 1830 to 1888, English telegraph engineer, who came of an old Yorkshire family, was born on the 8th of June 1832, at once dead, Essex, at the age of 15 he became a clerk under the Electric Telegraph Company, his talent for electrical engineering was soon shown, and his progress was rapid, so that in 1852 he was appointed engineer to the Magnetic Telegraph Company and in that capacity superintended the laying of lines in various parts of the British Isles, including in 1853 the first cable between Great Britain and Ireland, from Port Patrick to Donaghadee. His experiments convinced him of the practicability of an electric submarine cable connection between Ireland and America, and having in 1855 already discussed the question with Cyrus Field, who with J.W. Brett controlled the Newfoundland Telegraph Company on the other side of the ocean. Bright organized with them the Atlantic Telegraph Company in 1856 for the purpose of carrying out the idea, himself becoming engineer-in-chief. The story of the first Atlantic cable is told elsewhere see Telegraph, and it must suffice here to say that in 1858, after two disappointments, Bright successfully accomplished what to many had seemed an impossible feat, and within a few days of landing the Irish end of the line at Valentia he was knighted in Dublin. Subsequently Sir Charles Bright supervised the laying of submarine cables in various regions of the world, and took a leading part as pioneer in other developments of the electrical industry, in conjunction with Josiah Latmer Clark, with whom he entered into partnership in 1861. He invented improved methods of insulating submarine cables, and a paper on electrical standards read by them before the British Association in the same year led to the establishment of the British Association Committee on that subject whose work formed the foundations of the system still in use. 
From 1865 to 1868 he was liberal MP for Greenwich. He died on the 3rd of May 1888, at Abbey Wood, near London. See Life Story of Sir C.T. Bright. By his son Charles Bright Revised Education 1908. Bright, John 1811-1889, British statesman, was born at Rochdale on the 16th of November, 